Welcome to the Florida Roundtable. My name's Bill Mick. I'll be here with you for the hour. You can catch up with me at BillMick.com and drop us your thoughts on the show, questions, comments, suggestions for other show material. But this week, we'll be talking and taking a look at the mental health issues in the state of Florida. From the issues and causes, the costs to solutions and services, we'll see how the mental health landscape impacts our communities across the Sunshine State. Our guest, Melanie brown Wolfter, the president and CEO of the Florida Behavioral Health Association. We'll take a look at how they help various service providers across the state, what the issues are that those service providers face, and the impact on each of our communities. Melanie brown Wolfter with uh, us today on the Florida Roundtable from the Florida News Network. Those issues straight ahead. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 802-341-4542. 802-341-4542. 802-341-4542. That's 802-341-4542. When was the last time you had a truly awesome nursery experience? A nursery and garden center with a huge selection and friendly expert advice. We're talking about Quality Green specialists in Deland. At Quality Green, we have your favorite plants, fruit trees, flowers, vegetables, and herbs. Plus, with our 8011 fertilizer, organic azomite, and composted soil, your garden will look its very best. Great plants, sustainable products, friendly expert advice. 335 West. Michigan Avenue Deland and online at qualitygreenspecialist.com. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-398-0651-800-398-0651-800-398-0651. That's 800-398-0651. And welcome back to the Florida Roundtable. Nice to have you along this weekend as Melanie brown Wolfter joins us. She is the president and CEO of the Florida Behavioral Health Association. Uh, Melanie, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate you joining us this weekend. Well, Bill, thank you so much for having us. And we always appreciate the opportunity to talk about mental health and substance use. I tell you what, we've got a lot of them in the state. And and that, let, on the foundation here, let's talk about you and your background. What led you to where you are today? Well, you, give us your background in mental health and, and your other experiences. Oh, sure. Well, thank you. Um, again, thanks for allowing me to be here. I have a long history in healthcare. I am an, a nurse by training, graduated from the University of Florida, the Go Gators. There you go. Uh, and um, spent some time at Shands and then in various other hospitals in uh, both Austin, Texas, and then back in Florida. Worked mainly neuroscience. And then I came to Medicaid 
and I was the bureau chief there and realized that I could influence and help more individuals um, rather than having six or eight patients in a day directing policy for over at that time, 2 million Medicaid recipients. Wow. Um, and then after I left Medicaid, um, came here to the association and had a great interest both in mental health and substance use, both from a personal perspective with family members who have suffered with depression, um, as well as just um, an, uh, my desire to be an advocate uh, and to speak on behalf of those without a voice and to um, help others who are living with these disorders. And those those issues impact entire families and they also impact communities absolutely they impact the workforce they Im- impact um, everything that we do all day long they impact schools colleges uh, you name it. Uh, it, it, it there's an impact on mental health whether it's your parents or your grandparents or, or um, teenagers or whether it's co-workers uh, you know at, at in the workplace in my real life I was a drug cop before I got into radio so I've seen this from various aspects, and there is no element of society that's not touched. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one thing about uh, drugs, especially opioids as well as stimulants, is they are blind to wealth, uh, to race, to gender. They um, are an equal opportunity employer, if you will. Um, they don't care if you live on the street or if you live in a mansion. Um, they're there for you. Let's talk a little bit about the Florida Behavioral Health Association. What's its role? What do you guys do? And, and how do you work with the various providers across the state? Uh, that's a great question. So the Florida Behavioral Health Association is actually a, um, a, a hybrid, if you will. We had two organizations, the Florida Council for Community Mental Health, established in 1954, came together with the Florida Alcohol and Drug Abuse Association, which was formed in 1983, to form the Behavioral Health Association. So, you know, up until about four years ago, we each were working in a silo. So we had efforts towards substance use and then efforts towards improving mental health. And we soon realized that we, the need to come together and integrate those services so that our organizations could offer both. Because as you know, um, you know, from being on the street, those uh, individuals who have substance use disorders almost always will have a mental health issue. And those with mental health issues will have a huge um, prevalence to develop a substance use disorder at some point in their life. So we've come together. We are stronger than ever. We are over 70 provider organizations all the way from Pensacola to Key West. And we are the non-for-profit community providers. So the people we treat are the uninsured, the underinsured, and the Medicaid population. We have a sliding scale, so anyone can walk in the door and receive treatment. Even if you have commercial insurance or you don't have the ability to pay, we will make the service available to you. I would imagine a big part of that is getting awareness out that that is available for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And so, you know, our organizations have been in our local communities for decades, 30, 40, 50 years. We've been the safety net they go to for all of the mental health and substance use issues, and we're still there today. So uh, this gives us an opportunity for, um, and we thank you for this, to be able to let listeners in your area know that um, these organizations are available. And Brevard County Circles of Care is one of our members, and they provide services throughout Brevard County, both um, substance use and mental health. 
And we're going to talk these statewide issues with Melanie Brown Wolfter throughout the hour here on the Florida Roundtable. It's good to have you along on the Florida News Network. The issues, the causes, the solutions, successes, maybe failures, things to overcome. We look at all of that on today's edition of the Florida Roundtable. Are you worried about your vessel becoming derelict with criminal fines and removal costs? The Florida Vessel Turn-In Program, or VTIP, from the FWC may be able to help. If you are the titled owner, have received an at-risk warning or citation, and the vessel is floating, go to FloridaVTIP.com and get the details on how this program can remove your vessel at no cost to you. Don't wait until it's too late. Go to FloridaVTIP.com. That's FloridaVTIP.com. Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low we can't publish them anywhere. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. Call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. 802-341-4542. 802-341-4542. That's 802-341-4542. Hello, I'm Hector Elizondo, Emmy Award-winning actor, and I want to talk to you about getting older. My body hurts, my joints ache, and sometimes I forget. I forget that doing all your own scenes for a movie isn't always the best decision, especially when you're galloping side-saddle down a countryside road on a horse named Archie Bello, who seems to have only one speed, high. And pulling on his reins only seems to encourage him to go even faster. So, of course, my body hurts and my joints ache, but it's not because of my age. It's because I'm living my life. Oh, Archie Bello! Don't let life pass you by. Take care of your brain health. It may just help you stay on top of your game. As soon as this scene wraps, I'm going to kiss the ground, thank Archie Bello for his outstanding performance, feed him a carrot, and visit brainhealth.gov. Find out how you can make the most of your brain as you age at brainhealth.gov. We continue looking at mental health issues in the state of Florida with Melanie Brown Wolfter of the Florida Behavioral Health Association. She's the president and CEO there. And uh, Melanie, we've both had experience in this realm in our careers to this point. Let's talk for just a minute about if you had to give me an overview of the state of mental health and these issues in Florida, how would you describe it best? Well, that's a great question, and um, thank you for posing it. And I guess we'll first look at the system of care. There are, are individuals out there um, who think the system is broken, but from our perspective, our system of care has just been ignored and underfunded for many, many years. And over the last couple of years, really since the pandemic, we've seen a great deal of attention focused on mental health and on substance use. And for the first time in decades, we're seeing the stigma break around mental health. People are having conversations about how they're feeling um, when they're back in the office, when they're in the grocery store, at the family dinner table. You know, those topics have been taboo for years and years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I growing up, no one ever talked at the dinner table about being depressed or having anxiety. That It just wasn't something that was said. So we're seeing a, a, um, a, um, an acceptance and a willingness for individuals to seek treatment. And we are thrilled about that. 
Um, so in terms of the system, at the same time, we are experiencing workforce issues almost like every segment of the economy. Uh, so now that demand is up, uh, you know, we're seeing that there is a shortage of professionals and we're working as hard as we can to make sure that services are available for everyone. You did mention COVID. And, and how much of an impact did how governments handled COVID? And we handled it better in Florida than many states did. But mm-hmm. how much of an impact did that have on folks with mental health issues? Or how much did it contribute to increasing mental health issues? Well, we were concerned about uh, mental health issues going into COVID, especially with the isolation and folks having to stay home and work remotely and, and those, those sorts of things, because that really has an impact on us. Uh, and so our member organizations worked closely with their clients to be in contact with them almost constantly to make sure things were okay. But we know for the general population, uh, there was an increase in anxiety. We're seeing an increase in family violence um, so that when individuals did present for care, they were much in a much more severe state than they had been prior to COVID. So we are certainly um, very pleased that the isolation is over that we are out and about and that you know, services are available. And as you say, Florida did handle it very well. You've got an array of providers. You said 70 providers across the state. What types of services are they providing? They're not all doing the same thing. So what kind of things are available there? Oh, you're, you're right. So we have large providers who um, cover the full continuum, all the way from crisis services, inpatient, to outpatient therapy, medication-assisted treatment, housing um, and other recovery supports. And we have smaller organizations that focus on just one or two of those services. Perhaps they serve children on an outpatient basis so that children and parents can come in and receive therapy or uh, you know, just talk to a counselor, that sort of thing, as well as uh, organizations that uh, primarily uh, provide substance use services. So medication assisted treatment, talking to peers who are in recovery and, uh, you know, the, the full gamut of services that go along with that. We've seen a cry across the country for, and you mentioned crisis intervention, for law enforcement to be less engaged and for mental health professionals to get engaged more. My concern as a former street cop was those can be very volatile, very dangerous situations. I don't think you can send counselors or or those kind of folks in alone, at least initially, but yet the cry across the country has been, let's keep the cops out of this. I, I think that's dangerous for everybody involved. Um, we certainly you know, are concerned about that as well, not only from the client perspective, but also from the law enforcement officer perspective. So we are seeing great success with our mobile response teams and with what we call um, uh, ride-along programs so that when the call comes in for a crisis and it's determined it may have a mental health component, we send a team, not only law enforcement officers, but a trained professional in mental health to go along and to um, uh, meet with those individuals and provide that intervention and that crisis management. And we are seeing with our mobile response teams an ability to divert about 82% of the calls um, can be diverted from an inpatient admission or from being uh, a jail admission. 
so that these individuals can remain in the community. We link them to services immediately. We do some de-escalation and then they are able to receive the treatment that they need. So a lot of success um, in that area. There are many times I'd, I would have loved to have had a provider along to be able to deal with the situation more than I could. We got minimal training in the police academy and I went through a very good police academy. But it was basically, don't buy into crazy because they'll beat you if you're working with them in their world. If they're in crisis, you may not have the tools to provide. You, you do a lot of referral. We ask a lot of cops that they're not necessarily ready to do. How big are these programs that are combining the efforts of, of law enforcement and mental health folks? Um, so we have 51 mobile response teams that are statewide. So there's statewide coverage today. And there's an opportunity perhaps to expand that um, in the months ahead. And we're also are seeing at least a couple dozen, if not more, of the um, ride-along program. So we're seeing this both from the sheriff's offices as well as the city police departments. Um, and as I said, really effective care. Um, uh, really, um, it helps both law enforcement so that those with mental illness are not in our local jails. And it helps the client so that they can receive the services that they need. We also are working closely with law enforcement on what we call crisis intervention training or CIT training so that almost all officers have the um, education, like you say, in how to deal with mental illness and crisis, um, that crisis intervention that's there. So, um, you know, you, you're right. Uh, you know, when you come out of the academy, you can't be taught everything. And so the opportunity to be part of CIT training really helps officers who are on the streets on, on that beat. With those 51 response teams that you have, uh, how long of a delay are you looking at in a situation where there's not somebody immediately available to get assistance out to those agencies that are dealing with a family in crisis? Well, our goal with the mobile response team is to have a response within an hour. Um, now, obviously, that's a challenge if you're in South Florida with traffic or if you're in North Florida in a severe rural area and you've got to you know, drive 50 miles. Sure. Uh, you know, it, it could take you a bit to get there. We're leveraging technology, being able to use iPads with the officers on scene until someone else can actually be there. So, um, but for the most part, we do respond within the hour of, of receiving the call. We often talk about the challenges that the advances in technology bring, but that sounds like a good answer for at least helping get a solution while you're waiting for the, the bigger resolution to the issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, being able to leverage that technology has really helped us. Um, and since the pandemic, too, uh, it, people are more comfortable being on Zoom or on Teams or talking on their phones or FaceTime, mm -hmm. you know, those sorts of things. And so we're seeing a, an acceptance of, of individuals being willing to talk to a device to see a person, uh, especially teenagers. You know, um, some of the older adults are not as comfortable using their phone to actually talk to somebody or see them on the screen, but we are certainly seeing it with the younger population and acceptance of that. I don't know. I was a Star Trek fan was, when I was a kid. I'm, I want the technology ready, but I want it to work that way now, and it's not quite there yet. Not quite, not quite. We Once will we get, get the, the transporter available, it will be less than an hour, and we can do Yeah, that's five. true. That's very true. <laughs> I love talking to another Star Trek fan. Uh, <laughs> Melanie, let's talk about... If, if you had to describe the biggest mental health issue in the state, is there one that stands out or are they divided up regionally? Are you, are you seeing certain things in some places and not in others? How do we understand what's going on exactly? I think statewide we can see, um, like I, I spoke to earlier, we see an increase in demand and we see challenges with workforce. 
So really, you know, the, the biggest um, barrier that we face right now is being able to meet the demand for services. Uh, and that is um, both, um, you know, it's a win and, and it's also a challenge in that we are so um, pleased that so many people are now coming in to seek a service. Mm -hmm. We're seeing individuals in our system that, that have never received a mental health service before. They've never reached out for a counselor. They've never reached out on a crisis call just to talk to somebody or text with someone. Uh, and so we really want this to encourage those individuals to come in, as well as those who have been in crisis care or who have chronic conditions like schizophrenia or that sort of thing to continue their treatment. Um, and so we are seeing a great deal of um, an increase in funding that has come in through the legislature over the last couple of years. The legislature has really been um, hesitant in past years to, uh, to invest in mental health services, but we are just ever so thankful and grateful to our past legislative session and the one before that for an incredible investment in mental health and substance use treatment. As you deal with the person in crisis, is there one particular problem they're facing? Is there something common among most of them? Is there a percentage? Is there one cause of what's going on here? There's multiple causes. I, I can't. I don't think that we can um, point in just one direction. Uh, it's a little bit of everything. There's anxiety. There is, uh, you know, some difficult in the economy. People are having facing housing issues. And then, you know, it's the availability of drugs, uh, street drugs that are out there. We always say the substance use, the opioid crisis and the substance use disorders and mental health is really an issue of supply and demand. Um, and so, you know, we have to have a multi-pronged approach to be able to um, mitigate those crisis situations. So part of it is reducing supply, working with law enforcement, the attorney general's office to limit the drugs on the street. And the other is to decrease demand by making services available so that individuals don't turn to substances to be able to, um, uh, you know, live their daily lives. And, Seem, and deal with, with the problems that are there. Seems like the funding issues you were just talking about might help as more resources are available for those folks that have addiction issues or who are trying absolutely. to self-medicate. Yes, absolutely. Our providers really have had, you know, shoestring budgets uh, for most of the, uh, the time that they've been in operation. And so this is certainly helpful to be able to hire and retain uh, the workforce that's there to develop innovative programs to use uh, to leverage research and to see new techniques that are working has really really been helpful we've been able to expand telehealth so that we can reach individuals in their homes you know some people still don't want to be seen on campus you know coming into a facility so if they can receive a therapy uh, a session at home they are much more likely to keep that appointment and then to reap the benefit of that session very good. Uh, it makes me wonder about the homeless situation. Many of those people are going to be in some type of crisis or have some type of issue. So as we continue here in just another moment or two, let's explore the homeless side of this and, and what's available resource-wise for those folks. I know there are multiple organizations trying to help homeless become homed, but are they helping them with the issues they face when they're still living out and about? Melanie Brown-Wolfter is with us. She is the uh, president and CEO of the Florida Behavioral Health Association. As we continue this edition of the Florida Roundtable, looking at the state of mental health in Florida, the solutions that are there on the Florida News Network. What's your mom pack you for lunch? Let's see, a turkey sandwich, chips, and 
Oh, fresh from Florida strawberries. I'll trade you for some string cheese. Sure, here's my sandwich and my chips. No, I want the Florida strawberries. Seriously? No way. Uh, can I throw in my juice box? <laughs> you can throw in your lunchbox. You're not getting my Florida strawberries. <laughs> Pack the snacks your kids want to eat. Look for the sunny, fresh from Florida logo where you shop. How about my new sneakers? Nope. These earbuds? Nope. My backpack? Nope. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-240-4587. 800-240-4587. That's 800-240-4587. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata. Growing up with a brother with autism, Sarah Crump witnessed firsthand how kids with disabilities felt left out by their peers. It's why at the age of 15, Sarah approached her cheerleading coach with an idea to include girls with disabilities on her school's cheer team. Well, what started out as an inclusive high school cheer team in a small town in Iowa has led to what is now known as Sparkle Effect, a thriving nonprofit with over 180 cheer teams across the United States, bringing students with and without disabilities together through cheerleading. The result? More confidence, higher grades, and better school attendance for kids with disabilities. And for those without a disability, new friends and a greater empathy. You wanna learn more? Well, visit disabilitycampaign.org, where we have posted a link to the fabulous work known as The Sparkle Effect. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late. We stay informed. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans' lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. Imagine. Imagine being denied an apartment because of your religion, or your race, or because you have children, or a disability. It's so wrong. Yes, but who has the power to stop this? You do. Each of us has the power. The law is on your side. It's illegal for landlords to discriminate because of race, color, religion, sex, national origin, disability, or familial status. If you suspect that you have experienced housing discrimination, File a complaint with HUD immediately so we can investigate it. Fair housing is your right. Use it. To learn more, visit HUD.gov slash fair housing. That's HUD.gov slash fair housing. Or call 1-800-669-9777. 1-800-669-9777. A public service message from HUD in partnership with the National Fair Housing Alliance.
The Florida Roundtable continues on the Florida News Network as we look at the state of mental health in the state of Florida from the Florida Behavioral Health Association. Their president and CEO, Melanie Brown Wolfter, is with us. Melanie, again, thanks for taking the time. We were talking um, the homeless situation. Many of those folks are facing some type of mental disorder or some type of crisis. How tough is it to deal with? in that homeless population and provide the services that are necessary. I know a lot of military veterans are skeptical of agencies coming in to help them. They, they're a little uh, scared of dealing with government in many cases. I've seen that with some of my listeners involved here. Oh, absolutely. And, and homelessness is a huge contributor to both mental illness and substance disorder. Uh, you know, we can, and we really see that um, individuals do much better and have better outcomes if they have a stable place to live rather than having to be on the streets. So our providers and many other agencies across our state are really devoting some resources to uh, to house the homeless, to have affordable housing available. And we are seeing within our uh, membership uh, some exciting programs where we integrate mental health and substance use services on site. So there'll be a housing unit that's developed and there'll be a hub um, on the campus that would allow um, mental health services to be provided right there on the campus so nobody has to travel. And we are also seeing some recovery services that allow individuals to uh, live on campus and be and receive services at the same time. So we have this innovative look where we're, we're building housing and adding mental health. And we also have mental health providers or substance use providers who um, provide housing and have their clients um, have a stable place to live. So we're looking at it from both, um, uh, both realms, both either build the housing, add the mental health, or have the mental health and, and add the housing to it. That's interesting. I can imagine there'd be some logistics issues or some dynamics between the folks in, in a facility or around a, a community like that. That could be tough to police. How, how are your folks at dealing with, with those issues? Uh, you, know, you, you make a good point. And so that's why we have trained individuals that live on site to be able to help. And we also have an integrated population. So not everyone who lives there has a mental illness or a substance disorder. Uh, so we have people who just need affordable housing. And it's very interesting to see the community come together so that folks are looking after one another. So especially when we have some older folks and some younger folks there, the older ones will come to the, to the, the staff and say, you know, Bill's having kind of a hard day today. Um, I've noticed that he seems a little off and um, he didn't shower yesterday. And then staff is able to do an intervention very timely just to check on Bill to see if everything is okay. Um, another instance could be, you know, someone says, you know, I noticed that Melanie hasn't been out of her room in about three days. Usually she comes downstairs and, you know, will play cards with us or, you know, is around. And so that gives staff an opportunity then too, to be able to intervene early before a crisis happens and to be able to manage the population. Because you're right, um, you know, some folks, folks with severe mental illness um, are not always the best um, neighbors. Uh, you know, they they don't realize that they're being loud or, uh, you know, that they are, you know, in, in someone else's space, but they are individuals that, you know, really um, that mean well. They just aren't polished always. Oh, I could imagine that would be the case. Um, as you try to introduce folks into an environment like that, as, as your member organizations are doing that, remember you're an oversight and, 
helpful organization for a bunch of folks. Um, how do they integrate those folks into that situation? That could be a, a tough part of that at the initial stages, I would think. Oh, it is tough. I mean, and, and you have to have staff available basically 24-7 because you never know when, you know, something's going to happen. Most of these campuses are substance-free. Uh, we don't allow alcohol or, uh, you know, any other drug on campus, mm-hmm. uh, at, you know, because that is, that is very important to be able to um, have folks stay in recovery and to, you know, to lessen the, the substance use that goes on. So that that's a big component of it as well. Um, and then a lot of it is integrating the new um, individuals as they move in um, and kind of getting them uh, comfortable with the format and, and feeling comfortable in their surroundings. A lot of them may have a tough time with rules, and, and these facilities have to have rules in order to succeed and function. So I can see where that full-time staff would be necessary and helpful. I can tell by talking to you that you're someone who's found – a rewarding career in dealing with these things. And, and there's a lot of gratification when you're providing services like this. What is there for folks that you might want to recruit into this mental health services world? What would you say to them as they're considering this? I, I would say this is the most rewarding career that you can think of. You will have an immediate impact, not just on an individual, on a family and on your entire community. Uh, this is, we are one of the most interesting places to work in because you will see a wide variety of experiences, illnesses, um, and, uh, and people who come in the door. And so you just go home every day with your heart full um, and, and, and your brain stimulated because you've really had to think and you've worked with people and you can just see the light turn on in their eyes and their anxiety decrease and, and help them to get back into their community into um, a life that's fulfilling. What kind of career could someone look at if they're looking at becoming a counselor or becoming involved in services like these, maybe an entry-level job and, and where they might be able to take it to in a career? Oh, absolutely. So we are seeing I mean, individuals can come in as what we call a behavioral health technician, um, which is like a nurse's aide. So when you come in and it gets you familiar with the population, you um, we teach you skills and how to, uh, you know, interventions and how to uh, work with the clients that we have. And then you can move all the way up if, you know, get a college degree and maybe become um, a therapist or a licensed clinical social worker, um, psychiatrist, if you want to go to medical school, uh, all, any, any of on the full gamut there, we have that. We also employ peers. And so a peer is someone who's had lived experience, which means you have had a substance disorder and now you're in recovery, you're not using Perhaps you've had a mental illness and now you are stable. And so you really um, have that life experience to help these clients um, navigate the system. Someone who should call them and say, okay, it's been two days, you need to call your doctor. Did you get your prescriptions filled? Let's help you do that. Here's how I found um, a place to live. This is a really good apartment complex and perhaps you can try over there. Just everyday things like that can help too. So you don't have to have a college degree. We can certainly... Um, look at individuals and are happy to employ those with lived experience and those with um, just high school diplomas as well as, um, as as associate's degrees too. And and one thing we've started is a um, uh, an apprenticeship program so that we have an pr- opportunity for individuals to come in at that lower level, receive some really skilled training, and then have a ladder um, to be able to move up into uh, other uh, upper level positions and as well as some funding to help with school 
books, tuition, that sort of thing as, um, as you're in the system. That's interesting. Of course, like any other employee, you're going to have administrative positions, folks helping with logistics and other things that you need. So it's a broad array of jobs that would be available in this field. Absolutely. Everywhere, like you say, from um, transportation and driving the bus to um, maintenance to uh, being a a full-time therapist, all that is available. Very good. Let me ask you, and I can imagine there would be varying levels, and you would see some levels each day. How do you define success in the mental health world? Um, Success is is defined really as one day at a time. Uh, Being able to, uh, individuals who've come to us in crisis, be able to de-escalate them and get them back in the community. Um, Individuals who are living with a mental illness to keep them stable in the community, reunite them with their families, have them working at a stable job. All those things is is we define as success. And, And mainly it's so that people can live a fulfilling life. That's success in our field. I would imagine you see some level of success every day then. Absolutely. Every day we see successes. But this is not a linear equation. So just because someone is really good one day doesn't mean they're going to be good the next day. All of us have good days and bad days. You know, there's days that that you don't want to come to work or there's days that you don't want to have to get out and mow the grass, but you do it anyway. And the same thing with this population. So as long as we can keep people stable for the most part, um, we are doing a really good job. One of the things you run into in law enforcement, I would imagine you guys too, are the stresses that come with the job in providing these services. What kind of services do you have for your employees and, and your coworkers there? Uh, we encourage a lot of self-care for our employees, and we uh, have opportunities for uh, our, our employees to come together and to be able to have some time to um, talk to each other and kind of you know talk about the day and their demands. And we also have services for the caregivers as well so that there are therapy services available. And we're seeing that um, become more available both on the law enforcement front too, so that there's someone to talk to about um, the stresses and the, 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 the things that they've had to see um, in, in the day's work as well. Those are, those are great assets to have available. And, and that's a good thing because uh, it's not easy dealing with other people's problems. And, and a lot of folks don't realize Everybody's got problems, and, and when you're dealing with everybody else, sometimes you don't have a chance to deal with your own. Absolutely, absolutely. And so you just can't go home and hold it all in. So we try to do flexible schedules, give people time off, uh, and then just have you know an opportunity to decompress during the day as well. Very good. Melanie Brown-Wolfter is with us. She is the president and CEO of the Florida Behavioral Health Association. We're going to talk about some of the expense of this, where the funding comes from, and what they do to be able to provide these services when we continue on the Florida Roundtable. Ah, the sun's out, the water's cool. It's a perfect day for boating. What's that boat doing? Perfect boating days can quickly turn into disasters when drugs and alcohol are involved. Don't let boating under the influence ruin your day. FWC officers have zero tolerance for impaired operators. If you're over the limit, you're under arrest. Learn more at myfwc.com. Brought to you by the FWC Division of Law Enforcement. If your king or queen sago palms have been invaded by Asian cycad scale, it's time to fight back with organic summit year-round spray oil. 
It kills Asian cycad scale and other insect pests. But Summit year-round spray oil contains no chemical toxins. Insects don't build up a resistance to this horticultural oil, so it keeps working every time you spray. Summit year-round spray oil is available at fine garden centers and at summitresponsiblesolutions.com. Every year, millions of people find a health plan at healthcare.gov during open enrollment. They enjoy more doctor visits. Say ah. Pick up prescriptions. Thanks. And find the care they need. With the new law, four out of five customers can find a plan for $10 a month or less with financial help. Final deadline to enroll is January 16th. Healthcare.gov is here for millions, like you. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. David was in big trouble with the IRS. At first, I didn't owe that much, but after this year, it was out of control. Then David called Get a Tax Lawyer. Right away, they were like, oh yeah, looks like you're qualified to save Get a Tax Lawyer went to work. (laughs) Should have called way sooner. Get a Tax Lawyer has helped thousands like David fight the IRS and get a fresh start. Call 800-786-9014. That's 800-786-9014. Back on the Florida Roundtable here on the Florida News Network with Melanie Brown-Wolfter of the Florida Behavioral Health Association. My name's Bill Mick. We appreciate you joining us each week here on the Roundtable. And as we look at mental health in the state, Melanie, it's been very informative thus far this hour. You talked about different facilities that are available, different services that are available, the the kinds of jobs that are there for people who want to assist folks in, in these situations. Um, those facilities, these services have to cost a lot of money. Uh, what's the source of funding for getting most of these services done? Are there private donations? Is there government grant? Or, or what's out there? You're absolutely right. The cost of services has increased over the last several years, just like the cost of, of many other um, services that are available have have as well. And so for our community providers, again, we're the non-for-profit community provider. Um, our largest um, uh, areas of revenue are from the state funded services as well as federally funded services. So we are ever grateful to our state legislature and to our governor who have um, provided additional funding uh, over the last couple of years to shore up our system of care and to make a long-term investment in both crisis care and recovery services to keep people in their communities. So um, typically we will see uh, a lot of contracts with the Department of Children and Families, and we will see, uh, and Medicaid as well. Medicaid has done a great job in making mental health services available as well as substance use treatment, medication-assisted treatment services available without the barrier of prior authorization. So that's been a also have federal grants that come from our partners, uh, the SAMHSA, the Substance Use and Mental Health Administration, as well as HRSA. And so those grants are for um, the block grant for mental health and a block grant for substance use treatment. So we see those um, that funding coming down and making these services available and making them affordable for many. I see other jobs for grant writers in all of this, apparently. You certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you look at these issues, if there's a, a lack of funding, a lack of services somewhere, what's the biggest need? If you could convey that to government today as legislatures prepare budgets, as uh, the federal government looks at its next budget and what's going on, what would you say the biggest need is? 
the biggest need is, is basically the full continuum. Uh, we need everything from those crisis services to those everyday services that keep people in the community, whether it's therapy, whether it's having a peer that just you know gives you a call and, and checks in on you. Uh, you know, we, we all that needs to be available and it needs to be available for young children as well as our geriatric population too, because, you know, mental health infects all of us from the cradle to the grave. And so not only do we have to help support our young folks by, uh, in, you know, in, by helping them to become resilient, uh, teaching them, you know, critical thinking, decision-making, uh, make sure that they have self-esteem and that they have a sense of self, as well as working with the parents and grandparents uh, to help them manage their perhaps anxiety or depression and help them to be able to help their um, their children and grandchildren. Have your member organizations, you, you mentioned kids and anxiety, uh, mentioned the impact of social media or, or electronic device addiction and kids having those issues, whether it's bullying online or the other things that are in play out there? And are there solutions for them through the organizations that you deal with? Uh, we are seeing a huge increase in, in everything that you just described. So social media is both a boon and a, and a bane uh, in that uh, you, you know, it's very helpful. All of us have smartphones. All of us are on our devices all day long. And so we tell our parents, put your device down so that you can be present with your children. Mm -hmm. So how many of us actually put our cell phones down and actually have a conversation with our kids or with our spouses? Almost everyone has their phone in their hand, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and we're checking text messages or TikTok or, or whatever it may be. And so uh, we are seeing definitely problems with self-esteem um, and feelings of self-worth because the, the photos and the images that are on screen have all been heavily edited for the most part. And so no one looks perfect. <laughs> And no one can be perfect. Right. And so, um, you know, it, it's very careful. Parents need to be very careful to monitor screen time and also what their um, children are participating in. But I will say, and, and we mentioned it before, uh, children and adolescents are really comfortable on their phone and they can text um, and, and use you know, some other means to communicate with, with kids their age as well as with therapists and counselors. They're very, very comfortable um, in that realm. So that's, so that's got to be a benefit. Tools. Yes, that's uh, definitely one of the tools. We about 45 to. seconds here. What's the relationship between your member organizations and, say, the education institutions, whether it's private or public schools around the state? Are they able to work in those circumstances to help those kids? Absolutely. We have really close relationships with the schools in each of our areas, and we have been providing services um, to children and to families year-round, not just when school's in session, and also after hours. So we, um, some programs, we're actually on site. Others, we have that mobile response so we can come to the school for kids that are in crisis and, and work to de-escalate that, um, as well as, again, working with the families and then working on the economics too, making sure they have housing, you know, looking at um, and we'll be back to wrap it up. Sorry, we're running out of time, but we've got one more segment. We'll wrap it up when we continue on the Florida Roundtable. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800-398-0651. 0651 800-398-0651. That's 800-398-0651. 
Oh my gosh, you guys. This season's hottest accessory hit shelves decades ago and has been flying off them ever since. It's functional, it's attractive, and it's the smart choice. Life jackets. Seen here on the model, life jackets complement any figure and bring a certain je ne sais quoi to the waters. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission wants to remind you to wear your life jacket anytime you're out on the water. Visit wearitflorida.com. Wear it, Florida. If you don't have insurance through your job, you can still get quality health coverage through the Federal Health Insurance Marketplace. Not sure where to begin? A navigator can help you cut through the clutter and find a plan that's right for you. There's no obligation and the help is always free. It's easy. Just visit CoveringFlorida.org. Open enrollment ends on January 15th, so don't wait. Visit CoveringFlorida.org. That's CoveringFlorida.org. Ugh, PB&J again. Moms, you've got a lot on your mind. Packing a lunch shouldn't be stressful. Freshfromflorida.com can help. They have plenty of quick, delicious lunch and snack ideas to freshen up lunchtime. Simply look for the Fresh From Florida logo where you shop for locally grown in-season fruits and veggies to please even the pickiest eater. PB&J again. With Florida strawberries? Thanks, Mom! Packing lunches has never been easier. Fresh From Florida, there's sunshine in every bite. Shortness of breath, patients confused. Temp 102. He just had an infection. What's going on? It's becoming septic. Antibiotics started. Bed ready, let's move him. Infections can lead to a deadly chain reaction in your body called sepsis. Very quickly, sepsis can cause tissue damage, organ failure, and even death. If you know the risks, can spot the symptoms, and act fast, then you can get ahead of sepsis. Learn more at cdc.gov slash sepsis. My muscles ached. I was tired all the time. My son had a full-blown asthma attack. It came out of nowhere. The unsettling thing about some symptoms is... I had a fever and these terrible headaches. You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite. I had Zika virus from a mosquito. He had a reaction to cockroach allergens. Threats to your health can come from unexpected places. Get the facts. Visit pestworld.org. A public service message from the National Pest Management Association. As we wrap up the Florida Roundtable for this week, Melanie Brown-Woofter with us, the president and CEO of the Florida Behavioral Health Association. Melanie, we were talking as we went into the break that uh, services available for kids through schools and, and folks working with our schools, your member organizations working with them. Uh, is there a resource for either kids or parents that, that see someone either in crisis or they think they may be dealing with an issue they're not familiar with? What's the best way for them to find information? Uh, so our website, uh, floridabha.org, um, has a list of uh, numbers for both mobile response, for um, uh, talkable, talkable communities, for um, uh, uh, suicide lifelines. All that is available on our, our website by community, so you can see where you live and what the number is. Um, you know, the a First Lady has her Hope for Healing website in which you can go there, and they have that the link to resources in the community, both for, you know, housing, food insecurity, as well as services, too. Um, and so, you know, all of that is, is available. And so we encourage folks to reach out. There's no cost um, for our crisis lines. You can talk to someone, and it doesn't go on your medical record. It is not, uh, it, it is, uh, you are anonymous, basically, um, and if you, if we recognize that there's a need for services, we can refer you and get you in to see someone right away. 
If you had a message to leave this audience who may be dealing with this unexpectedly with a family member or friend, um, what's the message you would leave them? You're not alone. Help is just a call away, a click or a call. That's all it takes, and we will be able to help you. Are people reluctant to go get that help? And how do you get them past that? They are reluctant to do that. And so we're using a variety of uh, options or interventions, if you will. And that is uh, one, being able to use telehealth so you can remain in your home in order to receive the service. Uh, One is a lot of awareness and being able to realize that all of us have issues, that all of us at some point in time either feel depressed or have anxiety or just have a need to talk to someone. I mean, you know, humans, we're pack animals. We like to be together. Mm -hmm. Uh, We like to, if you don't have family around or or neighbors that you talk to, uh, you know, it's really difficult to be isolated. And we do much better um, when we have friends and family around us uh, that that can help. And so we are, um, you know, we're available to help you um, through, through anything. And one thing I'd like to say too, is that Mental illness and substance use disorder are medical issues. It's like having diabetes or or congestive heart failure. You can't handle your diabetes by yourself. You have to have the right diet. You have to have medication. You have to be monitored by your physician. It's the same thing for mental illness, whether it's something mild like a transient depression. Maybe you just had a baby and you've got postpartum depression. You know, it's transient, but there's help available for that. Um, maybe you have schizophrenia. Maybe you have had an opioid addiction and you are ready to be in recovery. Um, all of the services are available for all of those illnesses, and we can help you throughout the lifetime. And that's FloridaBHA.org. Melanie Brown-Wolfter, thank you for this hour and for giving us this information. It may be important to note less stigma than there might have been attached to these issues previously. And I think it's largely due to work of folks like you who are in the arena helping folks get that assistance that they need. And, and Bill, yes, thank you for that. And and it's also individuals like you and programs like this that allow us to come on and talk about it. 20 years ago, uh, we wouldn't have been able to have this conversation. So things are changing for the better, and um, it's, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity we have now to be able to help those in need. Again, Melanie Brown-Wolfter, thank you so much. We appreciate the hour. And I'm Bill Mick from the Florida News Network. Catch up with me at BillMick.com. Questions or comments about the show, more than welcome by email there. And we'll see you next week on the Florida Roundtable from the Florida News Network. You've been listening to the Florida Roundtable with Bill Mick on news and public affairs presentation of the Florida News Network. The views and opinions expressed during this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of this station management, owners, or sponsors. For questions or concerns, contact Florida Roundtable at fnnonline.net.